As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome back to another episode of the Pug and Cop Boxing Show. This is Mike Coppinger alongside Lance Pugmeyer of The Athletic. We have a ton to get into today. We're going to be joined by the unified heavyweight champion, Anthony Joshua joining us from London, just days away from his scheduled title defense against Kubrat Pulev. And we're going to ask AJ about Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, and much, much more. We're, of course, going to get into the Errol Spence-Danny Garcia fight. Spence obviously looked excellent. Is Terrence Crawford next? If not Crawford, who else? We'll talk about the Mayweather versus Logan Paul nonsense. We'll look into Shakur Stevenson against Togacon Clary. And then we will also take a look at Billy Joe Saunders' win over Martin Murray. So, of course, if you're enjoying the show, please like, subscribe, rate, review, anything helps. And now let's get into it. Let's get ready to podcast! If you're going to go stick your head in the sand like that, get out of the sport. Mike Coppinger. Creating a huge mess. It's absurd. No, you're wrong. So, this, the only, seems the like only a cash grab. You need to turn up and you need to be on it. We just started going at it. you got to go eat. The Pug and Cop Boxing Show on The Athletic. Lance, so obviously Anthony Joshua, one of the biggest stars in the sport, fighting Kubrat Pulev on Saturday. Um, Pulev, I don't think is going to present much of a challenge. He fought for the heavyweight title once and that was against Vladimir Klitschko years and years ago. <laughs> and Klitschko scored a hellacious knockout over VL left hook. Um, Pulev hasn't really done much since I was at his fight last year against Bogdan Dinyu at the OC hangar in California. And that was when Pulev was involved in the uh, kissing incident, the now infamous kissing incident with the reporter, uh, where he had to apologize and was fined by the commission. Um, and that was probably the most noteworthy thing that happened because he did not look good in that fight against Bogdan Dinyu. Uh, he was getting hit by a lot of shots against a, a, a limited fighter. And I just, I think Joshua is going to just absolutely destroy Pulev. But I am interested to see if we see Joshua box and move like he did against Ruiz or if he returns to his, you know, knockout seeking style. And I really do think we're going to see the latter. I think Joshua is going to knock out Pulev early. Yeah, Mike. I mean, look, let's be honest and not to uh, make light of it because it was a very serious episode, but I think Kubrat Pulev is going to get kissed in all the wrong ways on Saturday night by Joshua's gloves. Um, Joshua, you know, no doubt about it, has the ability 
to uh, finish this guy who's, you know, creeping toward uh, 40 years old and is the mandatory challenger. Anthony Joshua, you know, look, let's be honest. I think that everything that he's involved in is so uh, overblown. And, um, you know, he's touched on this before, is that, you know, when he lost to Andy Ruiz, it was like the end of the world. He came back, got the victory. But, um, you know, this is a guy who does have that significant power. And I believe that, look, this is the, this is a fight that lends itself to let those fists fly. Anthony Joshua is fighting at home. He's got everything and more to be fighting for with, uh, perhaps two fights against, uh, Tyson Fury, uh, lingering in the air in 2021, you know, in victory. So you know, I'm expecting to see a very, very sharp, dominant, effective Anthony Joshua, just like you are. What what do you think Pulev could do to to even win this fight? I mean, I know this is a this is a case that's being uh, built by his his uh, U.S. promoter Bob Arum, but I'm just not buying it. Yeah, and I don't think Arum is buying it either. <laughs> but uh, if you're Pulev, I think there's only one strategy to to employ, and that's put your head in Joshua's chest and apply relentless pressure and let your hands go. Just sell out and. You know, if you get knocked out, you get knocked out. But that's the only way you're going to win. And look, Joshua didn't react great. Didn't I didn't love Joshua's reaction to those shots against in the rematch against Ruiz. It seemed like Ruiz wobbled him a couple of times. So if I'm Pulev and his team, I want to find out if Joshua has regained confidence in his chin and where he's at right now, where his mental state is at after he beat Ruiz in the rematch one year ago. But other than that, I mean, obviously Pulev is not going to outbox Anthony Joshua. So... I think what I'm most interested to see is just how courageous is Pulev going to be, and is he going to sell out and go go for broke? Yeah, and can he can he do that at this advanced age? I think the uh, you know isn't it amazing, Mike? I mean, that fight against Ruiz one year ago, it seems like five years ago, and like you said, in referencing that Pulev uh, was in the ring against Klitschko in 2014, being years and years ago, that seems like decades ago now. So uh, you know, look, I mean. I think this fight is definitely interesting from the standpoint of for all the reasons that we just got done talking about that, um, you know, what is Anthony, what is Anthony Joshua going to do? But I think most of us watching are, are thinking and maybe hoping that this is nothing more than a, a little speed bump for Anthony Joshua to get us to the fights that everyone wants to see, um, uh, against Tyson Fury next year. It's going to be, uh, uh, significant 2021, especially as the vaccine comes out now, both in the UK and the US, you know, we can start to put the pandemic behind, behind us, hopefully start bringing fans back into the, into the stadiums and allow the sport to thrive. Um, just like it was before every, all the chaos hit. Yeah. And to be clear, look, Kubert Pulov is not a bad fighter. He's, you know, if he's not a top 10 guy, he's in that, you know, 10 to 15 range, probably 10, 11, 12, 13. He's somewhere in there probably. And that's perfectly reasonable for heavyweight title defense. And this is a mandatory. So, you know, I'm, I'm still excited for the fight. I think it's going to be a good action packed fight, um, between Joshua and Pulev. I'm excited for it. And I'm obviously more excited, like you said, to see if this does set up a fight with Tyson Fury. Well, two fights rather next year. We know there's already a financial agreement in place for whatever that's worth between the sides that Joshua and Fury would split the difference 50-50 and then the winner would get 60% in the rematch. So that's a big hurdle passed, but obviously there's going to be a lot more to take care of. And we're hopeful that once we get past this Pua fight, then we can go straight into it. So that's the intrigue hanging over this. We we saw Fury deal with two precursor fights before he got to Wilder 
And with Fury's December 5th fight that was supposed to be over the weekend canceled, now Fury is content to wait and see what happens. All right, Lance, let's take a quick break now to hear from one of our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Now we're going to be joined by unified heavyweight champion Anthony Joshua live from the bubble in London as he prepares for his fight against Kubrat Pulev on Saturday. That's going to be on the zone in the afternoon in the U.S., probably ring walks around 5 p.m. Eastern, and then on Sky Sport pay-per-view in the U.K. AJ, thank you so much for joining Lance and I. Uh, first off, Kubrat Pulev, he's challenged for the heavyweight title once before. It was a knockout loss to Vladimir Klitschko years ago. What do you expect from him? I expect um, a complete technical fighter. He's got the basics and foundations down to a T. I feel due to the fact that he's fighting for the heavyweight championship of the world, he wants to throw me off my throne, so he'll do anything to try and bully me out of my position. Um, so he's going to come in confident knowing that all he has to do is try and bully me and I'm going to crumble. That's his mindset because I had a slip up, uh, June 1st, no, yeah, June 1st in New York. So he's probably living off of that momentum. But, um, as I said, he's, he's very good. Uh, his best punch is his jab. He's got very good foundations in terms of his balance. And I feel his game plan will be to try and bully me off of my throne. Yeah, and what I'm interested to see is which AJ shows up because I think people are forgetting all of a sudden that you're one of the biggest punchers in the sport. We saw you box and move against Andy, and it was great to see another dimension to your game. But are we going to see AJ the Destroyer or AJ the Boxer? Well, this is this is what I, I just wrote down five minutes ago, right? Is uh, In life, it's not the strongest and it's not the smartest that's going to survive, but someone who adjusts to their environment. You know, so with Andy Ruiz, I showed a completely different uh, strategy and it was about adjusting and becoming, I am thriving in this new environment. I was against a lot shorter opponent, someone who had caught me on the inside with a good left hook and one I couldn't recover from. So if I didn't uh, adjust to the new environment, I would have been in that same situation. So I was smart, I boxed well, but that's the way the world works. People forget quickly. Um, and at the end of the day, what I've learned in this game is it's all about winning. The win's the most important thing. I can go in there and I could box around the ring. I could put my dancing shoes on and move around like I'm Muhammad Ali. But ultimately, in the record books, all that matters is getting that win on my record. You said, you said that you wrote something down, Anthony. What made you write that down? 
it's it's like a it's a warrior's mindset, isn't it? Yeah. So it's not the strongest, as you said. I'm one of the biggest punchers. Um, it's not the smartest. I feel like I'm quite intelligent, but it's the one who adapts to their new environment that will survive. And that was a new environment when I'd lost from uh, Ruiz one, and I had to adapt quickly in the space of four to five months. And I'd done that. Now moving forward against Puleb, I have to adapt again. And does that mean going back to the ferocious puncher? Uh, aggressor or does that mean going back to sticking and moving yeah ultimately i think that the fighter i fight brings out you know the best in me so whatever pulev wants to do if he wants to box if he wants to move if he wants to come forward at the end of the day this is war it doesn't matter what he's going to do i'm in there to win how did that how did that ruiz loss shape you and i think specifically how did how does it change your fight preparation you know is it different now um, than it was before that fight? Or just as a man, how have you changed? How it changes you is um, in this sport boxing, you learn to never make any excuses. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a tough sport. It's an unforgiven one. And there's no room for weakness. So that was a, I, had, I showed a bit of weakness physically that day by getting beat. But I showed a lot of strength mentally by coming back. And I think people appreciate that. Um, that's my opinion. So I learned how to also train myself mentally. And that's where that quote came from. You know, mm-hmm. it's not about the strongest, the smartest. So I've also learned how to train myself mentally because in this day and age, you've got to be strong. A lot of people told me don't take the immediate rematch. Um, Ruiz has got the fastest hands in the division. Well, he's got fast hands. He's a quick puncher. Mm-hmm. And I, I went in there and I completely outboxed him for 12 rounds, four, four to five months later. I completely changed my style. And then, um, I just learned how to be mentally strong and follow my own intuition. Like a lot of people would tell me what they think's best for me. But ultimately, nobody wants to win more than I do because I'm the one going into battle. Great. Yeah. And I appreciate that you brought up excuses. <laughs> um, n- never more timely than right now. I-, I thought you handled your loss with a lot of grace. And it was funny to hear people say, oh, why is AJ so happy? And I just thought, hey, he's being respectful. Uh, we have Deontay Wilder throwing out baseless accusations against Tyson Fury. And it's been kind of zany behavior what do you make of it being in the heavyweight division the uh, wilder's behavior toward fury i can't comment i can't comment it's it's wilder's life and he lives it how he sees fit but for me i felt um there's always reason as to why i win and there's always reason as to why i lose there's a reason for everything but i feel like when you lose i think it's just best to keep quiet because you don't want to number one take away from andy's success well done to him. So I congratulated him. And secondly, I, I didn't want to seem like I'm making excuses. So I just took it on the chin. And where I, I wouldn't call weaknesses is where I didn't discover my strengths, i.e. my cardio, my movement. I built in the last four months and I got a lot better. And I was, up, I was able to express that in the rematch. I mean, obviously, I was out there for your fight against Klitschko, and it was so, you know, as a boxing, as someone who follows boxing, it was so invigorating to see that stadium full of 90,000 people, to see all the billboards with your name, uh, with your picture all around the city. It was just a beautiful thing. And I think that, you know, you want to be that guy that really is, I mean, I know Canelo Alvarez calls himself the face of boxing. You want to be the face of boxing as well. And so, you this this is all before you you know with the victory on saturday night you know whether that includes a double header with tyson fury or not but can you talk about the excitement 
of, you know, elevating to that man who is that worldwide figure, even beyond where you are right now and how much that means to you? It means a lot. It's a balance. It's a balance because you've got, you know, you're carrying the sport of boxing on your back, which is a responsibility outside of the gym doors. You know, you're promoting the sport. Like now I'm not in the gym. I'm in my room. I'm chilling and we're promoting boxing. Then you've got the element of training, fighting, um, and that's how you promote yourself as well. So it's a lot of pressure, but I feel like God's given me broad enough shoulders to deal with the pressure. So I just make the most of it while I can. I look back on, I was just looking at Vladimir Klitschko's career, um, professional for 20 years. So, you know, these type of people, I do a lot of research into them to learn how they dealt with the pressure of becoming the face of boxing. You know, I... I was winning, let's say I would go back to the Ruiz fight. Um, I'm winning the fight. Anthony looks amazing. Did you see that uppercut left hook? Boom, I get a left hook to my head. Yeah. Anthony's weak. <laughs> What's happened to the champ? He's, and, and this is like, when you're the face of boxing, you have to be mentally strong. So I feel like I've got broad enough shoulders to deal with the good, the bad, and it all creates for a great story in the long run. So I'm enjoying it. I feel like I'm so lucky to be able to compete at this high level. It's tough to get here, but I'm blessed. And um, I'm just going to keep on enjoying this, this, uh, this throne while, while I'm sitting on it because uh, yeah, it only belongs to some of the toughest uh, competitors in the world. And as you said, to the faces of boxing, I hope I can sit amongst them. Floyd Mayweather, Canelo's, um, many other, many other boxers. And I hope I can continue to sit beside them. Absolutely. It's so nice. You mentioned the name of Vladimir Klitschko, and I think it's so nice. You know the extent of it more than we do. Um, the friendship that has, has come from after that fight. What, what does that mean to you? And what is, what is the extent of it? Like, does he help you, uh, with your boxing? Is he actually in the gym with you? Or what happens, uh, when you guys consult? If you notice with the champ, I think he, he stepped away from boxing. He's not trying to be, you know, in every interview, etc. So he he stepped away, but when he was heavily involved, he was heavily experienced, and you know he he took some losses in his career. You know, after the Lamont Brewster loss, people were telling him that he should retire, and he, you know he went away and he micromanaged his career. Everyone would say, "Don't worry, let us take care of it." You know, you just focus on this. But he micromanaged everything. And what I learned from the champ is, if you listen to everyone's opinion you're only going to go as far as they believe you can go. And, you know, you're blessed with, with wings that could spread so far and wide that could take you all over the world. So I think you have to just, like, like the champ done, is just trust your own instinct. People will say all sorts about you. People will tell you that you can't do it. But with him, he just kept on coming back stronger and stronger. And what a fruitful and amazing career he had. So yeah. it takes some tough skin, that's for sure. It takes a lot of, you know, not physical power, because I feel like with Vladimir Klitschko, you can see he's a physical specimen, but I feel like he had a lot of mental, mental strength. And um, you need a lot of mental strength to get to the level and position he was in. So I give him a lot of praise and a lot of credit. So when I do catch up with him, I ask him a lot of questions. I try and get as much out of him as possible. <laughs> and he's willing to express to me because, you know, it's just us two having a general conversation and he knows I admire him and I respect him. So um, it's an, it's a, it's an honor to have someone like that in my corner. Yeah. And lastly, before we let you go and AJ, um, obviously really excited for the fight against Kubrick Pulov on Saturday. 
But what message will you be leaving for Fury in this fight? I don't know. <laughs> I'm leaving a message for Pula. Forget Fury, man. I can't wait. Uh, we can't wait either. And we really appreciate you taking the time to join us. And we, after this fight, God willing, I win. We have four months of every question you want to throw at me, I'll answer. You come back on next week, Anthony. <laughs> come on, baby. Come back on at the week. <laughs> and let's take a quick pause now to hear from one of our sponsors. AJ, we appreciate your time today. Can't wait for the fight on Saturday. And again, everyone, you can watch that fight against Kubrat Pulev on DAZN in the U.S. and on Sky Sport Pay-Per-View in the U.K. And if you're not already following AJ on Twitter and on Instagram, you can do so at Anthony F. Joshua on Twitter and at Anthony Joshua on Instagram. Lance, what did you? What was your big takeaway from that conversation? I think that he's got a, a fresh mindset. I mean, he's kind of uh, p- p- hit the reset button on his career, Mike. I mean, he had a lot to deal with, you know, not only in taking that loss against Andy Ruiz and how that shattered, you know, sort of the mystique of what he was supposed to be about. And now he has, there's a more human side to him. And I think that's endearing, Mike. I mean, I think that we oftentimes, uh, as, as much as Floyd Mayweather talks about, you know, how important it is to keep the zero, a lot of times when you you're willing to step in there and you know and be involved in these fights sometimes and kind of show your vulnerability you know you reveal yourself and i think that if anthony joshua now is going to come out of this as a uh, a more you know likable guy that is not this you know perfect specimen almost robotic um in in how he's perceived and now he's going to say like look i've i've taken a loss i've come back from it i've learned my lessons and I think that, you know, we're going to see a, a, a very sharp effort from him on Saturday, Saturday night. What, what, what about you? What do you think? Yeah. Uh, I, first of all, I was surprised that Joshua didn't want to talk about Fury at all. But I guess I can respect that mindset after he maybe was looking past Andy Ruiz and suffered one of the biggest upsets in boxing history, if not heavyweight championship history. Yeah. So, um, you know, I understand that totally. But I, I do. I don't. I hope that it doesn't mean anything for the chances of us seeing Joshua and Fury. And I don't think it does. Um, but look, I, I really, as much as I think Pulev is one of the you know ten or fifteen best heavyweights, I don't think he has any shot at all against Joshua. Then again, I didn't think Andy Ruiz had any shot. <laughs> but I just, I've seen how Pulev has looked in his last few fights, and he just looked old and slow. And I think Joshua's going to walk right through him and knock him out. And that's what really needs to happen. I, th- I think, you know, Joshua Fury is the biggest fight you can make in the sport. To put an exclamation point on it and get everyone excited for it, I would love to see Joshua deliver a, a real destructive performance. Yeah. But, I, um, yeah. You know, the fact that you say that, Mike, I, I believe that that's what it, that's uh, what's at play because, you know, he did. He did. He was looking past uh, Ruiz and he paid the price. You know, he's just, he must be completely intent on the idea of, I need to win this fight. And he said it, you know, like, I'll talk to you guys afterward, you know, um, he's, he'll be willing to talk about Fury. But I think just that mindset of I'm not going to let this guy or any kind of thought uh, even enter my mind until I, I'm finished with my business at hand is probably the smart way to go about, about it for Anthony Joshua. And, um, you know, it'll be interesting to, uh, to just see how good he looks because I'm really expecting this guy to dominate. Yeah, likewise. And also, you can follow along on The Athletic with Sarah Shepard, our UK writer, who will be in the bubble all week. And if you're not already subscribed to The Athletic, you can do so right now 
at theathletic.com slash Pugging Cop. And we're running a promotion right now. When you get a subscription, you can also gift one. So buy one, get one free. Wow. Um, right. Yeah. So anyway, back to, back to the boxing lance. We had a big one on Saturday. Errol Spence Jr. in his first fight since that horrific car crash just absolutely dominated Danny Garcia. And I thought actually that Spence looked even better than he did pre-car crash, which was a shock, but great to have him back. And my immediate question to you is, does Errol Spence deserve to move up in those mythical pound-for-pound rankings based off the performance? I think so, Mike. I mean, look, I mean, he did make Danny Garcia look ordinary, and I think that's what we have to take into consideration. This is not an ordinary fighter. All the things that we talked about with Danny Garcia and all of the things that I believe you know came from our heart when we were talking about the um, the fighting abilities of Danny Garcia were very real. And Errol Spence came up with a fight plan to just take it all away. Like his trainer, Derek James, says, like, it's our goal when we step into these fights to not allow our opponent to do the things that make them great. So what they did was they they leaned heavily on the on that very effective jab, and that just set up so many uh, punches that Spence was able to land to the body, to the head, and... And, you know, Danny Garcia, you know, just hoping to like, you know, land some counter counter shots. It just didn't work out. I mean, um, he probably should have adapted and adjusted somewhere along the line, especially when you probably look up at the scorecards and you're down like whatever it was, six rounds to two or seven rounds to one. You've got to make some kind of adjustment that never came. Um, and and some from that standpoint, that was a little bit surprising to me, but Errol Spence, his sharpness and just what he did to make Danny Garcia look like just another guy was the thing to me that was just so impressive. Yeah. I, I thought Spence's jab was just excellent. The way he changed levels with the jab, touching it to the body, up to the head, um, the way he used it coming forward aggressively. I saw a lot of people saying, well, why isn't Danny Garcia throwing more punches and coming forward more? Well, Spence wouldn't let him. I actually thought Danny Garcia fought a very good fight and he was just outclassed. Danny threw over 700 shots. He threw mm-hmm. some good counter punches, landed a few good ones, and he was really trying for every every minute of that fight. But Spence is simply one of the best fighters in the world. And I agree with you, Lance. I think Spence has to move up in the pound-for-pound pound rankings. I've had him number four right behind Crawford, and I'm going to move him past Crawford now to number wow. three. Um, and look, resume has to matter at some point. Spence now has beat... Danny Garcia decisively. I had it 11-1 for Spence. I know the judges had it closer. I know two judges had it 8-4. One judge had it um, 9-3. I had it 11-1. And the resume has to matter. He's now beat Danny Garcia and Sean Porter and beat a better version of Kell Brook as well as a shout-out over Mikey Garcia, whereas Terrence Crawford, is he's still sitting on a, a nice win over Victor Postal. Um, and, and in fact, I really think I would pick Spence over Crawford if they fought tomorrow. Wow. I Very- mean, it's a true 50-50 fight. It's a genuine 50-50 lance. Yeah. But Spence is the bigger guy. He's the stronger guy. And he's just, I think that experience is going to help him out a lot. If he fights Crawford, he's now gone all these rounds against really good fighters, whereas Crawford hasn't. And that has to matter at some point. Yeah. You know, it's very interesting, Mike. And I, I would encourage the uh, listeners to check out a story I'll have posted on um, Wednesday at The Athletic, where we talk to a bunch of different experts about the possibility of Crawford and Spence fighting each other. And his, uh, Spence's trainer, Derek James, said something very interesting, because the point was by a couple people that 
Terrence Crawford has more dog in him. He has more meanness in, in him. He's more of a vicious fighter. When he sees the opportunity to go for the kill, he goes for the kill. And they were saying like Spence, you know, should have, should have finished off Danny Garcia and he didn't. And that's the difference that, that Crawford would have finished him off. But Derek James makes a good point. And he says exactly what you just got done saying is that you do have to look at the resume and you do have to look at the guys that Errol Spence is fighting. Yes, Terrence Crawford has looked like a dog, but look at the guys that he's, he's looking like a dog against versus the opponents that Errol Spence has taken on. And you listed them all off. I mean, Sean Porter, Danny Garcia, I mean, uh, Kel Brook. These guys are, uh, even Mikey Garcia is a, you know, has a very good chin and is a four division world champion who doesn't uh, bend easily. So, you know, it was an interesting back and forth. It's a, you know, the great thing about it is, Mike, is that so many people have so many strong opinions about who's going to win this fight and why. And that's why I wrote the uh, column uh, right off the fight saying like, you should try to make this fight right now because it's there for the taking. And yes, you can get into all the business reasons, you know, as, as to why it should not go down. But the truth is it's ready to be made right now. Find a way to get it done is my standpoint. Um, anything else is, is like I wrote in the story is a lie and it's definitely an excuse. Yeah. Let's see this fight already. Um, you know, I think Spence wins, but I don't have any confidence in that. I think it's a true 50, 50. I want to see the fight. Maybe Crawford beats him in and proves that, you know, the eye test was telling the truth all along that it didn't matter who we fought. Yeah. But like you said, I, I keep thinking back to triple G triple G was steamrolling everybody, you know, Dominic Wade, Gabe Rosado, David Lemieux. He was knocking these guys out left and right with ease. And then the first time he stepped up truly was against Danny Jacobs and he went life and death. Yes. You could argue that Golovkin was 36 at that point, And maybe that played a part. Maybe it was also partially, you know, that he was fighting guys below his level. And I think the same thing is going to happen with Terrence Crawford who not coincidentally, maybe coincidentally is also getting up there in age. Now he's going to be 34 next year. And we're going to start getting into that territory where maybe if Crawford doesn't look as good when he fights someone better, we wonder, is it the age or was it that he just was not fighting the competition? But again, I, I need to see what Crawford does against a guy, even like a Danny Garcia. Danny Garcia is a very good fighter. And yes, I would pick Crawford over Garcia, but um, there's only one way to settle it at this point. And if, if we can get Spence Crawford next year, I'm going to be very disappointed. And then, But let's be real, Lance. I, I kind of doubt it happens next. Manny Pacquiao's hanging out there for mm -hmm. both of those guys. You have a guy like Keith Thurman hanging out there. Spence said himself that he doesn't want to return until the summer. Yeah. And we know that Crawford's contract is coming up with t top rank in October of next year. So if you're PBC, we know they don't like doing business with top rank. We know that the relationship is right now worse than ever before after the Wilder Fury fight fell apart. There's a lot of bad blood right now. Maybe they say, all right, let's let's entice Crawford to come sign with us and wait to do that fight. So, look, if we get Errol Spence, Manny Pacquiao in the meantime, I'm not going to cry and complain. I, I would love to see that fight too. Same goes for Manny Pacquiao against Terrence Crawford. But, um, look, Spence Crawford, I know you, you really want to see it now, and so do I. Uh, what's next for Danny Garcia, though? I think if I'm Danny Garcia and his management and his dad, I think I move up to 154. Danny Garcia has talked about it in the past. He's already proven all he can at 140. At 147, he's now 0-3 against the likes of Keith Thurman, Sean Porter, and Errol Spence. Nothing to be ashamed of there. But 154 is a, a way more wide-open weight class. Yeah, it's a, it's a good weight class, but outside of Jermel Charlo, who is there that you would say, all right, Danny Garcia is definitely going to lose to that guy? 
not that he would definitely lose to Jamel Charlo, but Charlo would be a, a substantial favorite for a reason. But Danny Garcia, certainly, I would pick him over Jason Rosario or Julian Williams and a lot of guys. And he can he can chase the title in a third weight class. I just don't want to see him become an opponent at 147. Yeah, exactly. And plus that division, just like 147, is is so loaded with quality PBC fighters that, you know, it is it would be a, a smart move on Danny Garcia's part. You know, but look, Mike, I mean, whatever he does, whether it, it, it he lost to the, you know, you're saying the best guy in the division, right? That's not a crime. I mean, he still has a the ability to, you know, hang around and 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 you know, continue to try to participate in some significant fights, whether it's at 147 or 154. I mean, I know uh, I saw someone on social media even say like 140 is his best division. Is there any way in hell that he can go back to 140? But look, Danny, Danny is, uh, he ran into the, the top guy. He didn't look good. He's got to go back to the laboratory, so to speak, and figure it out with his father. And, uh, we know that we know the fortitude of this guy. I, I believe that he will come back and he will, he can still look, uh, strong. He's just, you know, he's not, I think this was the ultimate point that, you know, going into this fight that we were all questioning him about after two other title losses, you know, if you live a, lose a third one, where are you going to be ranking? And obviously, like, I think there's going to be that ultra elite class. And then there's going to be another class that Danny Garcia belongs in. Yeah, and uh, speaking of 154, on the undercard, it, w- it wasn't a good undercard, a lot of mismatches, but I was really impressed again with the towering inferno, Sebastian Fondora. This is a guy, he's, I believe, what, 6'7", 154 pounds, and when I saw him, uh, I think it was last minute, January. Say that the- again, say that again. 6'7", <laughs> 154. Say those numbers again, Mike. <laughs> what? <laughs> and... It's cra- it's it's really mind boggling. Uh, it's hard to believe, but I remember when I first saw this guy in person. I think it was on the undercard of Caleb Plant versus Jose Uscadegui, um when I was at the fight last January, and you were there too. I remember thinking to myself, "Well, this guy isn't really a serious uh, prospect. You know, he, he might be in a lot of fun fights, but I don't see him going many places." Now I'm like, "Wow, this guy might beat a lot of guys." I mean. I, granted, Habib Ahmed, a late replacement, best known for losing uh, widely to Zerto Ramirez a couple of years ago, wasn't the best opponent. But Zfandora, once he gets you on the ropes, like how do you even defend yourself against these shots? They were like he was like looking up at the at the lights, and uh, Fondora is landing lefts, rights, looping shots. It was just like a barrage of punches. I mean, I want to see Fondora in against a real guy next. He's now yeah. beat. He's about. I really do. He's already knocked out Nathan Gallimore and Hamed. Gallimore is a solid guy. Let's see him against, I don't know, Julian Williams or wow. someone else like that. Julian Williams, Terrell Gachet. Maybe not Gachet. He's boring. Um, I think I've seen enough of Gachet, but Julian Williams. I mean, maybe even Jermel Charlo at some point next year. Jared Hurd. Fondora, I mean, this is a guy, just based on his freaky size, can be an attraction all on his own and his fighting style. I mean... The towering inferno, Lance. I love it. I love the nickname. I love the dimensions of this kid. And I love the way he fights. I, I just, you know, in my heart, Mike, I feel like he needs to uh, ease into those types of fights. I think that he will, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to get rid of this guy so quick. And I think if he fights one of those elite guys, one of those uh, former champions like J Rock, they're going to take him apart. I, I, I would like to see him maybe take a, a, a couple more fights where we still get to look at him and say like, wow, look at this guy, you know, look at what he can do. Look at the power in his hands and look at that length. And how are you going to, like you said, how are you going to reach that head when you're fighting him? That's what I was thinking. I, you know, like, cause 
in the angle of the of the camera during the fight, you could actually see Jermel Charlo sitting behind Fandora watching the fight. And I'm like, I'm like, they had just interviewed Charlo, and it's like, can you bring the microphone back over to Charlo and ask him like, what in the hell is he thinking about? How would he beat this guy? Because it does seem like, wow, we've never really seen anything like this before. And it is just so, it's so curious, like how any of these guys are going to penetrate this. But I'd like to see him kind of build his star just a little bit longer and then take on the, those champions. I mean, yeah, but step him up a little bit at least. I mean, yeah. this guy is ready. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Just a little bit. I mean, if that's not the best nickname in boxing, I don't know what is. So who came up with it? You came up with that. It was it you? I wish it was me. Oh. Uh. Maybe it might be a Samson Lukewood special. That's his manager. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure, but we're going to have to get to the bottom of this on the next podcast, Lance. Yes, exactly. Um, moving on to more absurdities. Um, <laughs> Floyd Mayweather versus Logan Paul. Uh, it's been it's been in the talks for weeks now, and apparently it's going to happen on February 20th in another exhibition. One thing I want to just make clear, I have a lot of people asking me who's going to win the fight or what if Logan Paul lands a lucky shot and forget about any of that. This is not a real fight. This is WWE. This is, you know, a celebrity event. These guys are not fighting for real. So there's no need to talk about weight disparities or any of that. You know, they're all going to make a lot of money, probably stupid amounts of money. It's going to be a lot of attention, but let's not treat this like a real event and give it that respect because it's not. No, I agree, Mike. I mean, look, You've had conversations with Floyd. I've had conversations with Floyd. And the, and the great thing about this guy that I've always enjoyed is just his, his, uh, deep appreciation for the craft, for the sweet science of boxing. I mean, he has been so committed to that throughout his lifetime. And I just, I just feel like the things that, that struck me and not to be a prude about this because, and I know some people were giving me heat on social media about saying like, how could you have endorsed KSI versus Logan Paul? But, you know, be a hater to this fight. Well, the difference is, is KSI and Logan Paul were each trying as hard as they could to win the fight. We know that there's no way in hell that Floyd Mayweather is going to be trying as hard as he can to win this fight. It, this is a performance. This is entertainment. This is a show. He's going to probably let, um, you know, carry Logan Paul for however, you know, long he feels is, is justified and then do whatever he needs to do to dispose him. Cause we know that Floyd's not going to lose, right? Um, but I guess, you know, the, the part of it that bothers me is that Floyd has done all this stuff to build up this equity in the purity of boxing and just how beautiful the sport is. And now he's cheapening, cheapening it by participating in this event. And I'm sorry. I just, uh, you know, I just don't agree. I don't agree with this move. I think that Floyd could do a lot of things with his life. I mean, do, are we supposed to look at this and say like, um, you know, this cash grab? is an indication that he's having trouble financially. I mean, I'd find that very hard to believe, but honestly, that was the first thought that ran through my mind when I heard that this this thing had actually become official and that he was going to participate in this. Because it's like, this guy doesn't need money. He's always traveling the world and really enjoying his life. Why does he want to do this? Yeah, I mean, look, if Florida wants to make a lot of money, so be it. But it doesn't mean that we as the media have to, you know, pay attention to this that much and go all out with it. I mean, this is a shy show and I, I think it has as much to do with boxing as, you know, a baseball game does. It's just a, it's just a celebrity event, but pretty much like I said on Twitter, they, they could be playing tiddlywinks. They happen to be using boxing as the vehicle and maybe unfortunately so, but onto some real fights this week, Lance. And I hope we don't have to keep saying onto real fights because it's getting old, <laughs> but, um, 
So we true. have Toka Con Clary challenging Shakur Stevenson on Saturday on ESPN. That's going to be ESPN's last show of the year with top rank um, U.S. show. I think Shakur Stevenson is going to cruise. I think he's one of the best talents in the sport. I think it'll be an easy victory for him. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's good that Shakur was able to uh, um, keep the date and, and or jump into this date that was supposed to be reserved for uh, Oscar Valdez and Miguel Burchell. Um, you know, this is a guy again, a la Floyd, a guy who loves the sport, who's always in the gym, who works hard, um, who wants to be at his best. And the fact is, you know, like, hey, you got another guy for me to uh, get some rounds against. I'm, I'll step in there and do it. I mean, he's supposed to be in position for that WBO title that would, uh, title shot that would come from the winner of, uh, Jamel Herring and, and Carl Frampton. Um, that fight would be, uh, would take place in the, uh, early on in, uh, 2021. So, you know, for sure, uh, for Shakur, uh, more power to him, you know, hurrah to this guy for, um, taking this fight and wanting to, to stay busy. And I think it's, it's what, what's going to be interesting to me, Mike, on this fight is, ESPN has had some damn good ratings, you know, with um, Loma Lopez and then uh, Terrence Crawford and Kell Brook. And this fight is not as high profile by any stretch uh, of the imagination, but it does follow another, you know, um, pretty good college football game. And so what will the ratings be on on for this show? And if the ratings are strong again, then I think, you know, Bob Arum's mission to try to um, keep some bigger fights on ESPN uh, rather than taking them to the pay, taking them to pay-per-view uh, will continue to be um, something that I'm sure he's going to be banging the drum on. Well, to be fair, Bob Arum did try to place Lomachenko Lopez on, <laughs> ESP, on ESPN pay-per-view from what I'm told, and ESPN said no. <laughs> <laughs> Good. <laughs> but uh, Bob can spin it any way he wants. Um, yeah, and this originally was Saturday. It was supposed to be Miguel Burchelt against Oscar Valdez. Top ranks going dark in January outside of a January 30th uh, ESPN Plus show in Russia, prob- probably in Russia, with Arthur Betterbeev and Adam Danes. And then they're going to go sure. February 13th with their first uh, stateside show of the year. And that'll be, I'm told, uh, Joe Smith Jr. against Maxime Vlazov with Richard Comey against Jackson Marinez in the co-feature. Um, I think March could be the rescheduled fight between Burchelt and Valdez. Yeah. But, uh, and like you said, Frampton Herring, that'll be a UK fight. So in early 2021, I'm actually really looking forward to that fight. I think it's a very evenly matched fight between Frampton and Herring. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll see what kind of ratings Shakur does. It does have the good lead in, but Shakur is definitely one of the rising stars in the sport, but I think it might be a little tough against, uh, the kind of opponent he's fighting. Um, what also elsewhere, we should talk about it quickly before we go. Billy Joe Saunders came back on Saturday against, I'm sorry, it was actually last Friday against Martin Murray on on the zone in the U.S. And I thought Saunders looked great. Granted, he was fighting a guy who should probably retire in Martin Murray, a once tough uh, title challenger. But Saunders threw in combination. He came forward. He was aggressive. Um, and he just looked excellent. He's an excellent fighter when he's on his game. And uh, I hope that we're going to see a big fight for Billy Joe Saunders in 2021. You know, obviously, he had, I see a lot of people on Twitter um, criticizing the level of opposition, you know, with Murray not being the best opponent. But let's not forget, Billy Joe Saunders had signed to, signed to fight Canelo Alvarez. He was already in Vegas for the press conference. Yeah. And COVID came and scrapped those plans. But Lance, who do you want to see Billy Joe fight next, if anyone? Mike, uh, Saunders is in great position because, you know, like you said, he had that fight set up against Canelo Alvarez. 
And if uh, Canelo defeats Callum Smith and and decide, even if he decides to move on to a, a fight against uh, Triple G, Saunders could still, if if Callum Smith kind of holds his own against Canelo, he could go that route. And he was on he was on the Pug and Cop show talking about that before when it looked like he his best option would be Callum Smith. So when you throw in the other names uh, for consideration, uh, whether they be you know someone like. Um, Demetrius Andrade, who I know not a lot of people want to see, but still holds a, a middleweight belt. There's a there's a ton of options for this guy, and the fact that he looked good um, uh, is a is a beautiful thing for him moving forward. It definitely uh, leads him into a, a strong 2021. All right, well that's our show for today, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us as always, and thank you again to the heavyweight champion Anthony Joshua for giving us his time. You can watch him fight Kubrat Pulev on Saturday. And we'll see you next week to talk about that fight and more.